You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Today we are going to do something very interesting. Very, very interesting. So we are moving from radical witness to the soul's agenda. Yeah. I just want to make sure that (laughs) the ultimate purpose for which you were called, you live it. Amen. What I've been doing with my church is that I am trying to imprint in them the Jesus culture. Amen? The Jesus culture. And I started with the word culture. That's how believers should live. Believers should live in the word and by the word. Amen? Amen. Yes. They should live in the word and by the word. So, Jesus culture. So, number one, the word Number two, evangelism. It must be our culture. It must be our lifestyle. All right? And the next is spirit. We must live in the spirit. And that's what I talked about from the beginning. Living in the place of your mind, your spirit. And I'll talk about that. They must live a life of giving, a life of giving. So word, evangelism, spirit, giving. Hey, somebody is going ahead. Oh, time first, eh? time before giving. Okay, thank you. So, where's jail? Okay, good, you got it. So, where's jail? So, time, they must, they must live within time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Within time. And then they must live a life of what? Giving. Okay, so what's the next? Excellence. Oh, Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So, if you're a believer, you live a life of, it's your culture. And the last but not the least is what? L is what? Love. 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 So, we are now on the evangelism culture and I really wanted to entrench in us, in our system. It becomes anybody you meet on the street, you not spare them. Now, if you are not living this life, you are not living your true nature. I'm not, I, I won't say you are not a believer. Yes, you are. You, are not, you understand? But you are not living like the citizen of heaven on earth. Yeah. Somebody was arguing on one of our pages. And he said, uh, we said, evangelism is the ultimate. He says, oh, it's discipleship. And I believe that he's quoting Ephesians chapter 4. That we all mature to become like Christ. So for him, that's the ultimate. But the point is that 
maturing like Christ, you not sit down. You go and win souls. <laughs> so no matter how you mature, whatever, you go back to winning souls. And when somebody is won today and they die today, they are good. That's why Jesus will leave the 99 and go and chase the one. Is the ultimate. And all of us must get this. If you are not doing that, you are not living the life. You are not. You are not. I said, if you are an architect, if you are an engineer, if you are a medical practitioner, you are um, what? A plumber. Whatever you are, listen very carefully. That is not your first profession. I'm sorry. That's not your first profession. Even as a pastor, that's not my first profession. My first profession is to win souls. Ah, but why am I a pastor? <laughs> Are you getting the point? Yes, to win souls. Whether you're a pastor, you're a prophet, evangelist, apostle, all of us have been called to do what? Win souls. Souls. Ask them, where's your soul? Please ask them. Somebody say, oh, as for me, I give money, so that's my bit. It's a lie. After giving money, win. Pastor, after preaching in church, go and win souls. <laughs> yes. Apostle, after planting the church, go and win souls. If you're a teller at the bank and you serve somebody, they're happy. And they say, wow, you do so good. Yes. Do you know Jesus as your savior? You punch it in. He loves you. Punch it in. Every time. Punch, because it's the reason why it's not the money you are giving. Because unbelievers do that. And sometimes they do it even better. But you, the believer, the reason why God put you at the bank is that you use that platform to win souls for him. Say, Amen. Amen. So if you are called the best worker, it's good. But ask yourself, as they give me the award of doing so much for the bank, how much have I put into heaven's bank? How many souls? <laughs> How many souls? I think what we're talking about is serious business. But this is what the church has neglected. We do church as usual. Is that right? Come sit down. So they were, yeah, pastor, deep, deep, deep. This is deep. And then what happened? If it doesn't reflect in soul winning, 
What are we doing? Then what is the blood doing? We are wasting the blood. Are you here? Yes. The soul's agenda. Now, I am going to break some, some misconceptions about soul winning. That's what I'm going to do today. Um, <laughs> most of us go on evangelism and the kinds of things we tell the people creates a terrible foundation and it is one of the major reasons why the church is the way it is because we evangelize wrongly as a matter of fact most of us don't even know what to say and when we're growing up we heard some people say it and say certain things. So when we also became born again, we say it like they do it. Was it two, three days ago, somebody was in my neighborhood. And when he was done with the evangelism, my whole household, they were angry, including me. I mean, he had insulted us. And everybody was listening to him. And I don't know how we are going to accept his God. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm sure that anybody that heard him feel, felt condemned. We're going to go into this. And I want all of you to give me your very rapt attention. The soul's agenda. Number one. We don't preach against, write it down, their sin and its punishment. We don't. When you go on evangelism, don't go and preach against their sin and its punishment. So you look at the person. This thing you are doing. Come to Jesus. You will die. This thing you are doing. You drink. You do this. You do that. You do that. Who told you that's evangelism? What's the consequence? Everybody read the consequence. Go. When they come to Christ and do that sin again, they feel they have lost their salvation or not saved at all. That's why a lot of people come to Christ and they come to altar call. 
over a million times. <laughs> because every time they feel no, they are not saved. Because of the message of salvation you preach to them. Secondly, the moment they see you or another believer commit a sin, they think that this whole thing is a fluke. Oh, hello? They come to church and the pastor is speaking to somebody. And then the pastor gets angry and shouts, Hey! Pastor Humbolo! And so, <laughs> and so if they have a weakness of anger and they see the pastor's, the pastor's weakness in that same day, they say, Ah! Benny and some more about me and what me. Say, oh, but this thing, all, all, all of us, we are wallo. What did I come to do? Because you told them. Only about <laughs> their sin and punishment. Somebody say, error. error. Say it like you mean it. Say, error. error. That's why people come and they go back easily. How many of you faced that when you came into Christ? If you, oh, if you did, lift up your hands. Let me see. Did you? I saw only like four or five hands. Oh. <laughs> the rest of you, you had the right message. Oh, so why are you pretending? Especially the same person who preached, who preached to you and condemned you. You were walking with them or you were driving with them. And somebody crossed your path and then he shot. And then you looked at him. The next. We don't preach that they should stop sinning and come to Jesus. Hello? Oh, hello? We don't preach that they should what? And do what? How many of you have preached like that before? What do you tell them? Stop your sin. Come to Jesus. Well, if they have to stop and come, why do they even need Jesus in the first place? If they could stop by themselves, they better stay like that. Is that not true? Then they don't need your Jesus. 
Then we are actually making Christianity like every other religion. Because every other religion, you must make sure you take care before you come. You yourself work on it. But that's not Christianity. Somebody has worked on it for you. And by his empowerment, you can overcome. Oh, praise the Lord. That's why he said, come just as you are. Look at the consequence. It means that until they are done sinning, they will not receive Jesus. So, have you heard some people saying that, as for me, I don't belong to church. I'm too bad. I'm trying. When I stop, all of these things, I will come. Hello? No, have you heard somebody saying that before? Yes. You know. You know, because sometimes Christians are hypocrites. You see, you, because you give them the impression that you have stopped every wrong. And you know you are lying. So you see, you make the standard seem so high. You play the perfectionist to the gallery. Secondly, now, there are, listen to me, there are people who from their background, how their parents taught them, they have become moralists. So they, they don't need to come to church to stop doing certain things. From, from their infancy, they don't do it. Oh, hello? There are other people, they have used yoga you know yoga. Somebody didn't know. Somebody was asking me. I was, was talking to them. I said, oh, yoga. He said, oh, but yoga there is just an exercise. That's what they are making this seem right now for you guys. So for most of you, you don't know that yoga is a religion. You think it is just an exercise. So, so most of you go and you do yoga exercise. It is a religion. It's been there since. As a matter of fact, I went to Accra Academy. One of our headmasters, he was... <laughs> yes! It's not just an exercise. It's a religion. It's an occultic I'm not joking. And so, they do a kind of a meditation, right? Hmm? Yes. So, there are some who have been able by yoga to stop setting habits. Hello? Do you know that? 
Yes. There are some by Hinduism or by Islam or by a malam, they have been able to stop certain habits. So now, I meet an uh, unsafe person and I tell them, stop this thing. Stop it and come to Jesus. And then I left them. And they met our friend who is a Hindu. Who through Hindu has been able to stop a certain habit? What did I just tell them? Because if all they want to stop is sin, they have found an antidote. Which is not Christ. So they are fine. <laughs> so they are fine. They are fine. Tell somebody error. Oh, Jesus. Three, we don't preach that Jesus is coming soon. (laughs) Maranatha. Oh, Maranatha. Jesus is coming. Maranatha. How many of you... (laughs) I know almost everybody here. And most of the times when we say that it is connected to sin, is that not it? Oh, is, it is that not it? Uh-huh. Jesus is coming. In other words, stop that thing you are doing and come because by the time you wake up, maybe, or as we are walking right now, hey, so why is it that we like scaring people like that? It, it's in human nature that when we have something, no matter how simple we got it, we want to make it sophisticated for others to have it. And you know what they tell you these days? If Jesus was even sitting on a track, by now he would have come. This is your Jesus. We've waited for him. We've heard it. Huh? Oh. <laughs> if we are pushing him in a wheelbarrow, small, small, small. By now, cry, he should have come. Look at the consequence. If they have not believed the first coming of Jesus, how do they care or believe? About his second coming. Tell me. So, so, if you tell the person Jesus is coming, the point is, they don't even care a hoot. They are struggling with whether this Jesus thing is even true. That he came in the first place. And then you are now telling them he's going to come back. Does I care? 
Get out. Go and read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5. And you see that the coming of Jesus for the second time, as a matter of fact, it's not the second time, it's the third time. Yes. The first is the immaculate birth. The second is after his death and resurrection, he went to the Father to cut the, the deal for you and I. That's why he said, that's what he spoke about when he said, when I be lifted up. That's what he meant. That's why he told Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. That was the second. So he went up and came back for the second time. And then we are waiting for his coming the third time. And he says that waiting should be said to comfort us believers. Oh, praise God. So for us believers, the coming of Jesus for this third time is for our comfort because that's when we're going to receive our rewards. Oh, praise God. So please, don't go and tell them Jesus is coming. They must first believe in his first coming. Are you understanding me? Yes. And then, if they have believed, you comfort them by telling them, Everything you are doing is not in vain. Very soon he will come and take us all. Oh, praise the Lord. And as a matter of fact, we are living in heaven whilst we are on. Praise the Lord. Four. We don't preach that they will get material things. Say, oh, you need a job. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Oh, when you come. Oh, oh. You, job, you, you get a job one time. Oh, you want to marry. You see? You see? Come to Jesus. You will marry. Come. You see, it is the reason why many people leave the faith so easily when they think their requests have not been answered. And they get so frustrated. Because it is the reason why they came in in the first place. Oh, my brother, my sister. You see why nobody told Barnabas to go and sell his land and bring it so that they do, their God, uh, they do God's work. He himself brought it because it is not materialism that brought him. But you see, you, as you sit down so, if I tell you we are building for the Lord, lest everybody contribute, you will never go and sell anything that is precious to you. But if you come to church right now 
and a prophet comes here and he tells you, oh, you need a marriage. Bring $5,000. You will queue. You will queue. A friend told me yesterday, he said, the guy called $5,000. He said, he said, four people. 5000 And he made his face some way. 5000 With an eagle eye, you know. Come and see. The fourth person, person, about five people were around the fourth person. They were pushing him away. So they will be there. Oh, yes. Because, you see, you came so much because of material stuff. And that has... That's your goal and that's your objective. Oh, haven't you realized that if you say somebody is so blessed these days, it's because they have the latest car. It's because their bank account is full. Those are the people we call blessed. The church has lost its focus. Yes. Then if that's the case, Bill Gates is blessed. Although he's not a believer. Oh, you didn't say amen. <laughs> yes. Yes. So if they don't receive what they ask for, they would think this Christianity thing is a fluke. They go back. We came because of something material. So we get desperate when we don't get it. Yes, it becomes the status quo for most of us. Yes. You see, you are in church as a believer, but you are competing. And the competition is based on materialistic stuff. So, you feel either high or less based on how much you have. Paul said, my confidence My boast is in him. Are you here with me? There are many who are believers who are committing suicide because of material things. Because we don't understand the joy of our salvation. Somebody told us from the beginning. They laid the wrong foundation. Come to Jesus. And you'll be rich. 
The, even the mala makes people rich. So if it is money, while I'm coming, I can go to the malam. Let's go to the next. We don't preach to scare them. We don't preach to scare them. The unsaved who receive Christ based on scary messages or sermon of salvation tend to live their whole lives in fear. Is that true? Oh, is that true? Fear. But the point is, we are saved by faith and not by fear. Oh, hello. How many of you have been to funerals before? Please lift your hands. Okay. The moment you are there and the pastor preaches and you know the kind of messages they preach at funerals. <laughs> you are sitting in your chair and you can't be yourself. And you are thinking. Especially most of us who are not assured of our salvation. Thinking. Within the next 10, 10, ah, I've given too much. Five hours. You are sober. You go, somebody asks you, is there anything? Oh, I'm good. But you are troubled because of the message you heard. But it doesn't last. Oh, does it? It doesn't last. The scary messages, they don't. It doesn't change anybody. It doesn't change a fly. And if it does, for the rest of your life, you live in fear. You are caged. And that's where those people are ready to feed on you. Tell you. Go and bring this. There's some demon in your house who is the cause of everything. So go and bring this. They said, I want a red grasshopper. Sometimes they said, I want the eye of a snake. So if you struggle, they said, make it cash. <laughs> they know you can't get it. <laughs> so they call something that is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we don't preach argumentatively. So don't go and argue. Don't go and argue. You can win the argument, but you lose the person. So please, don't go and argue. The moment they want to argue with you, just tell them, don't worry. I know Jesus loves you. I know Jesus is real. I'll be praying with you. Oh, did you hear what I said? 
don't argue. If they want explanation, you can explain. But the moment they want to argue, don't argue with them. Anybody who is ready to argue with you, listen, is not ready to take your side. If they need an explanation, then they are teachable. They are ready to listen. You can never win a soul with an argument. It's not possible. It's not possible. Praise the Lord. All right. So let me now give you the basis, the basis of all of this. What's the basis? Number one. Now, it is not you who convicts a soul. You are only the mouthpiece of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you are a vessel that the Holy Spirit uses. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Now, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not there to glorify you. The Holy Spirit is at work to glorify Jesus. So the Holy Spirit will only convict people of what Jesus has said. So whatever you say, that is not within the context of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection cannot lead to salvation. Because the Holy Spirit will not honor it. John 6, 15, uh, John 6, 5, what does he say? He says what? Since the 5, sorry. He said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And none of you seems interested in the purpose of my going, none wonders why. Instead, you are only filled with sorrow. But the fact of the matter is that it is best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the comforter won't come. If I do, he will, for I will send him to you. Next. And when he has come, he will convince the world of its sin. And of the availability of God's goodness. And of deliverance from judgment. Huh? Is that what you preach? The availability of God's goodness. That is how an unbeliever is convicted of sin. You don't preach sin for them to be convicted of sin. You preach the availability of God's goodness and deliverance from judgment. That is what convicts a sinner. It is not telling them their sin. Hitting them with their sin. No. When you teach somebody right, they are convicted of their wrong. And look at how God defines sin. <laughs> Go ahead. The world sin is what? That's how God defines sin. 
unbelief in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Let me give you. Individuals define sin as evil deeds. So that's how men define sin. Men, when they see anything for them is evil, they call it sin. So within their own cultural norms, within their own systems and whatever, when they see something evil, they call it what? Sin. That's the way individuals. The world defines sin as unlawful deeds. Within governments and institutions, when the thing is not within a lawful context and is unlawful, it's regarded as sin. So it can be evil, it can be wrong. So far as it is lawful, it is not sin. <laughs> Hello? Oh, is that true? So if you go to America, gay, transgender, it's not sin. Because within their social culture, it is right. But how does God define sin? When you don't believe in the Son, Jesus, you have sinned. That's it. In the same way, God defines righteousness as believing in the Son. Period. <laughs> the moment you believe in the son, you are right before God. And you are not condemned anymore. Praise God. Give me the name. There's righteousness available because I go to the Father and you shall see me no more. There's deliverance from judgment because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, hallelujah. This is the good news. Say, this is the good news. Tell them there's righteousness available for me. Because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, there's so much more. There's so much good news. Are you getting the point? Yeah. The pretext was good news. Is that right? So the moment is that there's so much more, then he's saying there's so much more good news. If you were saying bad news before, and he said there's so much more, then you'll be afraid because more bad news. But the pretext says, a lot of good news. There's so much more. There's so much good news I have for you. Oh, praise the Lord. But you can't understand it now. 
When the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, he shall guide you into all truth. For he will not be presenting his own ideas. That's why you don't go and evangelism with your own ideas. You don't preach what you like. He's telling you, tell them what the Holy Spirit who will glorify me will honor because this is what I desire. Praise the Lord. He said, he will be passing on to you what he has heard. So the Holy Spirit will only say what Jesus has said. Oh, are you here with me? One of these days, if we have to scrutinize the kinds of things people say they have heard from God. <laughs> they have heard from God. <laughs> One of us was going through a challenge. I mean, the boss was just messing them up. And they kept telling me. And I kept telling them, Listen, some of these things, it is not a prayer point. Believers, learn to pray more about spiritual things. Your father is so responsible. He takes care of your physical stuff. <laughs> so I, I, I said, stop worrying. And then all of a sudden, the boss called her and told her, Go and write your resignation letter. I've never heard some before. Suck yourself. <laughs> Suck yourself. So, she was so angry. She came to me. She said, Pastor, can I pray with some 35? So I went to check some 35. Oh my word. Dangerous. <laughs> the kinds of things we are taught in church. Some of you. The kinds of dangerous prayers you pray. So I told her, listen. You are not that kind. You don't need to pray that prayer. The Lord can make room for you. Truly. The Lord made room for her. She was moved to another department, which is even better. And guess what? Just yesterday, she sent me. She said, Pastor, breaking news. That boss has been sacked. So I said, you see, if you had prayed that prayer, you'd be feeling guilty by now. You'd be feeling guilty by now. You see, you live, vengeance is the Lord's. So why do you waste your time over it? <laughs> but somebody will praise I hear God said I should kill him. Die! Then you go and pray, fire! Die! Fire, die, fire, then you fire. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some of you do, you hold, say, I bind you. I bind you. I bind you. You see, because in your mind, the demon is like a human being. Physical, so you can chain them and bind them. How can you bind a spiritual thing? When Bible talks about the, the, the devil chained, or the devil will be chained, he's talking about a place of confinement. <laughs> it has nothing to do with physical chains. He'll be giving a jurisdiction where he cannot go beyond. Jesus help us. He will tell you about the future. He shall praise me and bring me great honor by showing you my glory. All the Father's glory is mine. This is what I mean when I say that he will show you my glory. This is what the Lord is interested in for his children. To show them his glory. Not to kill them. Not to condemn them. Not to feel, make them feel terrible. So please, when you are going, this is what he wants them to hear. He wants to show them his glory. He wants to give them the best. They are settling for the less. They should come for the best. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you here with me? This is what the Holy Spirit will honor. Give me the next scripture. That's why we only say what we have been sent to say. That is when the Holy Spirit will respond to glorify Jesus. Say amen. Give me the next. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 to 7. Everybody read it. Go. And another time when he appeared to them, they asked him, Lord, are you going to free Israel from Rome now and restore us as an independent nation? So they were asking for a political freedom. Is that right? Okay. But he said, you concern yourself with what is not in your jurisdiction. This one is the father who does this. You are concerning yourself with things that does not concern you. Hey, Charlie. If I were to go into some of these things. The kinds of things we pray for. He says the father, in 1942, didn't it happen? Israel became a, a free nation. Is that right? An independent nation. Is that right? So he said, this date, the father has already set it. It is not in... He said, this is your concern. What is your concern? Next. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. What do you do with that power? To testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What do you tell them about my? That Jesus is coming soon. That they will go to hell. That they would die in their sins. You have
have been given the message. Is it direct? Straight to the point. Straight to the point. Give me the next. Ecclesiastes. Look at what Solomon said. Look at what Solomon said. Solomon. Common sense wisdom. Look at what he said. What is go? Everything is what? Appropriate in. You see, that guy have their time. That lady have their time. It's only a matter of they will be harvested. They will be convicted. And he tells you the reason. He says what? But though God has planted what? Eternity in there. So listen, for every human being, there is eternity already in their hearts. That instinct is there. Anytime they wake up, when they are in their closet, they feel a gap. They know there's something missing because eternity is in their hearts. So every human being is yearning for eternal life. God put it there. Scripture is so consistent. But he said, their only problem is that they cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. That's why you are the conduit. Oh, praise the Lord. To see them, to make them see the finished work. Christ, who starts from the, from the end, even before he begins. Oh, praise the Lord that he's died for them. Oh, praise the Lord that he's resurrected for them. Praise the Lord and has given them this eternal life that they are yearning for. That is the finished work of Christ. The finished work of God. Some of you, this is what you use. Luke chapter 16. Oh, Jesus spoke about rich man, Lazarus. And then, so some of you say, the fact that uh, you have to be poor. Poor. Where did they get that theology? Because Lazarus was poor and went to paradise. The rich man was rich. And he went to hell. So you have to be poor. And then you go to paradise. When you are rich. Eternal life has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. It is not in the abundance or in the lack of it. Jesus was talking about priority. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who think that this is where you scare them with hell, I want you to look at the last verse. When the guy, Lazarus, uh, the rich man, told Lazarus, um, I want you um, 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 to send somebody. Ab sorry, Abraham. Uh, send somebody, send somebody to go. And dip their finger in there and give me water. And then send somebody to go and tell my brother. I have this many brothers there. Somebody should go and tell them 
What did Abraham said? Abraham said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, who are there? Let somebody even rise from hell to come and tell them. They won't listen. So why do you think that when you scare them with hell, Jesus has already told you <laughs> that it doesn't work. Oh, I don't know how we read scriptures. Even Jesus himself has told you by this story that when people rise from hell to come and tell other people that they should repent, they won't budge. How are you using that for evangelism? Ah, did Jesus say that? Go to the last verse. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, they won't bother to read them. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will turn from their sins. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even though someone rises from the dead. And you are scaring them with hell. Oh, Jim! Straight. He said, it, it doesn't change anything. If they don't listen to those who are here, they won't listen. Oh, he, are you here with me? Look at the one sign that he said he would give them. That tells you what the message of salvation is. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees told Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he replied to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves a sign. The Lord deliver us. Mm. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and condemn the people living today. Because they repented. That is, the, the people of Nineveh, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. But look, something greater than Jonah is here. Oh, praise the Lord. Yet no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What is the sign of the prophet Jonah? Because just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That is the only sign. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only sign, is the only indication for salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing more, nothing less. No other sign. That is the only, the striking difference. If there is some difference between Christianity and all other religions, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That gives the believer the exchange of sin for righteousness. No religion can give that. 
So if you go and give any other promise, it is equal to any other religion. And the point is that what this gives is what every man have been programmed to desire. No man can work their own sin. And everybody is struggling from the nature of sin. Not your act of sin. They have their unique, peculiar weakness that the blood takes care of in the Adamic nature. Because your view and your exposure of sin is so narrow. Look at what Jesus said. You are going to condemn them. He said, I have come that they might have what? Life. And have it to the... And then you go to con 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 condemn them. Look at what Jesus said. Next, 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 next. The ultimate purpose and theme of our message is, is life, not escape from hell. That was from Jesus' own mouth. I've come to give them what? Life. Not escape from... Next. Look at what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 1.23 But we preach who? who? Christ what? Crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But we don't care. That is what the Holy Spirit convicts people of. Christ crucified. Hallelujah. Look at the next. Look at the next. Do you see the theme of our message? It is not hell nor heaven. It is Christ. The issue of heaven or hell is not the ultimate. It's Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. He said, I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. May that be your desire and conviction. Christ and him what? Crucified. Therein lies our victory. Therein lies our victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the Word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.